Uh, we're continuing in our series called Growing in Christ. If you have your Bibles this morning or have a device that you can get to Psalm chapter 37, Psalm 37, that's where we'll be this morning. But our memory verse on the front of your bulletin and in that spot in your bulletins uh, is, is this from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, obviously, you've got to read a little bit more there in Matthew chapter 6. But the things we worry about, God says, hey, seek me first. You know, first things first is huge. We can't put on our socks after we put on our shoes. We can't put on our underwear after we've put on our pants, right? Like, things go that direction. We have to put first things first. And as I was thinking about seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness, I thought about a game that uh, I imagine it's played all over the world. I don't know if, it's, if it goes by this, but it's a game called Simon Says. Does anybody know the game Simon Says? So everybody, we're going to play Simon Says. So stand up to your feet. Simon Says, stand up to your feet. Um, you won't be out yet. No, Okay. All right, so Simon says, shake the hand of the person next to you and keep shaking it. All right, now pat him on the back. Simon didn't say pat him on the back. <laughs> Sit down, losers. This isn't a game where everybody wins. Okay, Simon says, stop shaking their hand. Simon says, smile at them real big. Now frown at them. No, Simon didn't say frown. Simon says, smile at them real big. Now Simon says, pretend to laugh. Keep laughing, Simon says. All right, Simon says, stop laughing. Simon says, spin around. Simon says, spin the other way. Simon says, stop. Shake your body. Simon says, close your eyes. Now open your eyes. Uh, Simon didn't say. Simon says, open one eye. See if anybody else is still standing. Okay, Simon says, sit around and listen. All right. Good job, everybody. I know I can't get everybody out. I'm not a very good Simon. Never have been. Maybe I could get some, some small people out. But some, some of you adults, you, you're, you're good listeners. But, you know, when, we, when we're trying to follow God's voice, it's not like Simon says. He's not trying to lose us. A lot of people think that God's trying to make it difficult for us to follow him, but he's absolutely not. John Piper says, you can't enjoy a God that you're not sure is for you. Let me tell you, God is for you. He gave his only son so that there could be a way for you to spend eternity with him. There could be a way for you to have life now, to have the Holy Spirit of God living near you, the omniscient, omnipotent, that's all-powerful, all-knowing God, rejoices in his work. He rejoices in us. Have you ever thought, that one of the attributes of God is that he's happy? I mean, to think, like, we don't, a lot of the pictures, I, I challenge you, find a, a famous Christian artist who's done a picture of God or Jesus smiling. It's, it's kind of rare. And honestly, it's a little creepy after we, you haven't seen a picture of him smiling, but he should be. God would, would be one who laughs. How could somebody like Jesus tell stories about a log in your eye or a speck in your eye without having a sense of humor that we can even see across the centuries? God is happy. He, he creates. He says, hey, this is good. 
He creates man and woman. He says, this is very good. Then man and women create salsa and guacamole. And God says, this is really, really good. I mean, just wonderful stuff. God's a happy God. Who, for the joy set before him, Hebrews says, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. So even Jesus going to the cross... There was joy before him. Was there pain before him? Yes. But there was gain before him. And so Jesus isn't willy wonky. He doesn't say, I'm going to coat everything with sugar and everything's going to be easy. But he does say, the pain doesn't compare with the gain. So Psalm chapter 37, verses 1 through 6. Do not fret because of those who are evil. Or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Not my grass. My grass keeps growing. Anybody got an amen there, right? It's just all the time. Anyways, uh, like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. So verse 1 says, don't fret. Don't be anxious because of those who are evil. A lot of us spend a lot of time in anxiety and worry. In fact, a lot of us do it in the middle of the night. Our bladders and our brains get full in the middle of the night. Any amens? I mean, like, not, not amen like you like it, but it just seems like your bladder wakes you up and your brain keeps you up. Because there's anxieties. But this is, don't fret because of those who do evil. Don't be envious of those who do wrong. God knows all of these things and still, Matthew chapter 6, he says, don't worry. Don't worry about what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear. Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase of, of that passage, says that Jesus says, people who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. So we don't fret because those uh, of those who are evil or envious of those who are wrong. We don't get jealous of those who cut in line. We don't get jealous of those who seem to be kiss-ups. We don't get jealous of those who lie to get promoted. For, verse 2 says, they'll soon wither. They'll soon pass away. They'll soon die. But God gives gifts in contrast to this. When God gives, he gives gifts that will last. James says that every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. There's nothing deceitful in God. Nothing two-faced. Nothing fickle. Lasting stuff comes from God. You know, David writes this psalm. And he says in verse 25, I was young and now I'm old. So he's, he's writing this with some perspective of age. How old is old? That's a question I, I want to ask. Like, how old is old? Maria, do you hear the question? How old, what's the number? Like, at a certain age, you're not old, but then like at a certain number of age, how old is old? No coaching from mom. Do you got a number? Like how, 
when, when you reach a certain number, is there an old age? You've never been shy before. What's happening? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're, you're a little sweaty from that dance. I get it. I was, I was sweaty too, and these, these lights don't help to, they're not hot, but they just shine the forehead quite a bit. 49. There's a number. You just made enemies with some people over 49. That's okay. Um, how, how old do you think I am? A hundred. Close. 31? Okay, I'm 35, so thank you for the compliment, but uh, yeah. You know, how old is old, right? That's, you know, David says, I was young and now I'm old. He has seen stuff like grass soon pass away. And so he says, those who are seeming like they're succeeding when they do evil, those who you would want to be envious of, I think. Watch it for a while. Watch it for a while. Don't fret about that sort of thing. Verse 3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell and enjoy safe pasture. Trust, do good, dwell. You know, a lot of us think that the Bible is just all about what we're not to do. But here's a verse that's filled with trusting, doing, dwelling, enjoying. This negative view of godliness is very prevalent throughout our age, that when you say, what's, what's the highest way to live? We'd say, well, that's unselfishly, where a lot of the early church fathers would have said, love. It's not just about self-denial. It's about love for other people. So we're to trust in the Lord, do good, dwell, enjoy. We as Christians should know better than anybody else the healing effects of a barbecue. The healing effects of laughter. The healing effects of, of, of napping and taking a day off and gardening. You know, there's not enough rap songs about staying home on the weekend and saving money. There should be more. Christians should write them. That we're to enjoy what God has given us. Dwell in the land. Now, it is true that there is self-denial. But there's the denial of the old self, the old ways. The, the guy who went into the baptism water and was buried. But the new guy, we've got to let that person breathe and dance and dwell and trust in the Lord. Verse 4 is really the heart of, of what I want to look at here in these six verses. Take delight in the Lord. Or an older translation would say, delight yourselves in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. What a God we have that says, I want you to delight. In, I want you to be happy in me. You know, we, we know this song, uh, psalm, some of us do, from Psalm 51 that says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. There should be joy at salvation because there's this coming to the God who is happy and joyful. Many people can't imagine the word holiness and delight together, but God says, delight in me. In fact, one of the great catechisms as kind of boiling down what it 
what it would mean to follow God. Ask this as the first question. What's the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The chief end of man is to glorify God and or, or by enjoying him forever. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, In his presence there's fullness of joy. At his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Do you delight in God? Do, do you enjoy serving him, giving him glory? Or is it drudgery? The reason we delight our, those who delight themselves in the Lord receive the desires of our heart. Because a lot of us want to get there. What's the desires of my heart? We don't want to delight in the Lord. We don't want to you know, enjoy him forever. We want to have the desires of our heart met. Well, how could that be? We receive the desires of our heart not just because one causes the other, but because one shapes the other. That delighting in God shapes my heart, so my desires are different. He shapes the kind of desires that I have. Charles Spurgeon said this, if, if we could sin exactly however we wanted and still go to heaven, our hearts should be so changed that we're not interested in it. Do you get that? that? That as a Christian, like even if we, we had like a get out of jail free card here on earth or had a, a get out of hell free card, even if we could do all of the things, we could rob banks, get drunk, cheat, murder, we wouldn't because our tastes have changed. The new man inside of us, our wishes are altered and our new hobbies are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the new and so, well, we, we will still go to jail if we do those things. We will break fellowship with God if we would sin. We would say, no. I'm going to focus on delighting myself in the Lord. How do we delight ourselves in him? Come to church, right? Of course. But that's an hour a week. What about, what are there? How many hours a week? 159, 158? What's, I'm looking at you, Mitch. You're, 158 hours a week. There, there's this podcast we watch that says, seize the 157. 167. Somebody, how many hours in a week? Some, Siri. <laughs> okay, so one hour a week, come to church. But is that just delighting in the Lord? 168. Yeah, she's got a sticker on the back of her on the back of her phone. God wants us to love him 24-7, to delight in him 24-7. So aside from... Worshiping together with God's people. Delighting ourselves in the Lord together, great. How else should that look? I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, aside from the Lord's Supper, you know, a, a time of worship with God, this is delighting ourselves in him, should be a, not just a somber meal, should be a joyful meal. Aside from that, the most holy thing that will come to your senses is your neighbor, the person around you. And so how do we delight ourselves in him? We dance with our wife in the kitchen. We laugh at a child's joke, even if it's the ninth time they've told it. We watch sunsets. We give piano lessons for free. We clean up the neighbor's dog poo and we don't throw it back. We repair the neighbor's house. We babysit 
a newborn baby. We consistently visit the nursing home. We're content, whatever the situation, because doing the right thing is now the desire of our heart, and that is part of delighting in the Lord. We say, God, you've made some beautiful creation. And people, you placed your image on them. The sad thing is we've often defined good things as things we don't want to do. We think that if we want to be the person that God wants me to be, then I shouldn't want to do those things, but I should do them anyway. But Psalm 103 reminds us that he satisfies our desires with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagle. So you're not old anymore. He renews our strength when he satisfies our desire with good things. Many of us, we give into temptation, the old man temptation, because we haven't fed ourselves, satisfied ourselves with the good things from heaven. And we don't trust the promises of God. This last week at Celebrate Recovery, um, we had uh, hot dogs and chips um, at the end, just as a fellowship time, and it was great. And I wasn't, I wasn't feeling really good, so um, I, I told everybody that was kind of the reason I didn't want to eat hot dogs and chips. The real reason, Annette, was Jill was cooking tacos at home. And she told me, we got tacos at home. It's Taco Tuesday. And we believe in tacos on any day of the week, but it happened to be Taco Tuesday. And so even though I hadn't yet got them tacos in my tummy, I had the promise that they were there, so I was able to say no to those hot dogs. Now, I said hot dog, yes to hot dogs on, on 4th of July. I'm a good American, Michael. This is, this is how to do it. But do you see how the satisfaction of our desires with good things changes how we approach temptation? Because temptation goes at a desire that God's given us. Satan can't create any new desires. He just tries to trick us into fulfilling desires in the short term and long term we always lose we need to delight in him and he will he will give us the desires of our heart a new heart delighting ourselves the joy that should be in his presence in Matthew 6:16 6, Jesus told his disciples not to look somber or, or dismal when fasting. And I know this passage is, is about um, don't fast for a show, right? People used to fast, that, that is to abstain from food, delighting themselves in God, but they would make, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm tired today. It's because I'm fasting, you know, making a show out of it. And Jesus says, hey, when you do that, look like you're happy. You know, it's almost like he's saying, hey, guys, lighten up. And if he can say this about one of the most serious spiritual disciplines, what might he say to us about life in general? That we ought to smile a little more. We have to, ought to delight in him. Our worship should look different. Our worship should look different. There's no such thing as sad adoration or unhappy praise. We say, oh, I've got to be happy in his presence. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, not just about worship, but whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it all to the glory of God. 
So verses five and six in ending give us this. Commit your way to God, to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. When I'm seeking God first, I'm making decisions based off of that relationship. I'm not led by my feelings. I'm led by my priorities, my relationship with him. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says this, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And so many of us are acutely aware of how much our sin angers the justice of God. But let's not forget how our obedience pleases him. Let's not forget that our relationship with him can be one of delight. Our our salvation is a joyful thing. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's be thinking about how we can give him glory and enjoy his glory. I want to end our service with prayer. God in heaven, show us today what would give you pleasure. Maybe it would be enjoying your handiwork with gratitude. Maybe it would be embracing the, the pleasures that, that you've, as you've designed them to be enjoyed. God, maybe you would want us to hold somebody accountable or ask for somebody's forgiveness or to lay down a particular desire of our own, the old ways. Will we find in you everything we need? Father, I pray that you would enliven this church to delight in you with more and more joy, not just because the music is different or the atmosphere or the room has changed, but because you're changing lives as we delight in you, as we delight in your laws, we delight in your truth, as we devote ourselves to you, Father, and as we see you fulfill way above and beyond what we could ever hope for or imagine that you would do in our lives. God, thank you so much for the families of this church. Thank you for how you put us together as your family. We don't walk this journey alone. Knit us together more and more. Bring more people, Father, to the saving knowledge of you. We love you so much because you first loved us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace. Kids, thumbs up. Good job this morning. We'll see you next week.